Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and I think this is episode 155. Uh, thanks to Tea Leaf Tea and Le Petit Chocolat and Yeasty Boys. I had a chat with Brendan Pongia. Now, you probably know him as a broadcaster, an ex-broadcaster, and as a basketball player. I, I know Brendan um, from those roles, and I know him from working with him. I was... Um, a music reviewer for a few years on Good Morning TV and he was most often the host that I talked to. Uh, some of you might remember I talked last year with Sarah Bradley who was Brendan's co-host. Uh, so it was good to connect that to connect that up, you know, to, to sort of put that puzzle together and talk to both of them separately about reflecting on their time at Good Morning. In fact with Brendan this whole conversation, as, as they often are, but this one is very much uh, a conversation of reflection. We got into a whole lot of things. We talked a lot of sport, which I really enjoyed. I don't always get the chance, well, I should say I hardly ever have had the chance on this podcast so far to talk about sport. And uh, sport's been a big part of my life. And, you know, I wasn't a great basketball player, but I was an enthusiast and I still watch the sport. So it was fun to talk to Brendan about that. And uh, as I say, we reminisced about our time together on Good Morning and he tells some stories about what it was like doing that job. He also... When he was on that show, of course, he uh, was one of the, on one of the early seasons of Dancing with the Stars. His partner was Hayley Holt, and they did very well. They came uh, second in that. They, they, they just lost out at the end. Um, and, you know, there's an interesting thread that goes through this conversation that Brendan seems to just move from one job to the next, and they're all kind of connected. You know, from being a basketball player, he got into broadcasting by commentating on sport to begin with. Then through connections, that moved to Good Morning. When he was on Dancing with the Stars, the, the charity that he supported, uh, Cure Kids, that became, that's become his job now. That's what he does. He works for that charity. So, um, yeah, he and I kept in touch vaguely over the years. I've bumped into him a couple of times. Talked about doing this podcast a while ago. Finally, we got to connect, and he told me a lot of stories I didn't know. Um, we go pretty deep. We go into his, his childhood, and we go right through to... You know him being a father now and we talk a bit about parenting as well so i loved this conversation i really really enjoyed catching up with him and hearing a lot of these stories for the first time this is me talking with former tall black broadcaster and all-round good chap brendan pongia i want to reference at the start that i first met you in must have been 2006 that's when you would have started Good Morning, was it, well, 2007? Yeah, and you it? probably thought at the time when I didn't meet you and I was interviewing you, what does this guy know about music? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had had that, I, I was, I'd actually been on the show for maybe a year before you and Sarah took over, so I don't think I thought that, but I probably was just starting to feel like I sort of maybe knew what I was doing with that segment, but, um, but I, I was aware of you because obviously you'd had a... Uh, a long and distinguished sports career before that. So before we talk about Good Morning, I wanted to reference that at the start. We'll, we'll get into that and we'll reminisce about how we used to bumble our way through these... <laughs> Seven um, minutes <laughs> through of, these of music reviews. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, which was always good fun. Um, but uh, let's go back and start at the logical place to start. So you grew, you grew up on the, in, the, in the South Island? Yeah, so, I, so I grew up on uh, Greymouth, um, my mum is one of 14, I've one of 58 grandchildren, um, so there was no TV, My no radio, no music, we didn't listen to much music as well, <laughs> well it was a different type of music, um, and uh, I have a bra- younger brother and a younger sister, um, all three of us have represented yes, New Zealand I skip, I at the highest say, level. I it's a uh, sporting family. Well, my granddad was a Kiwi in the late 30s, early 40s, Jim Calder right, was his yes. name, and so the family down there were 
pretty uh, pretty good at sport. Mm. Uh, only Grandad was the only one that represented at the highest level, meaning mm. senior level. And then um, obviously my sister represented New Zealand in rugby league. I shouldn't say obviously. Mm. She did mm. represent mm. New Zealand. My brother represented the Kiwis uh, rugby league and I played for the Tall Blacks. So mm. three from the same family. So that's where it all started for us. Wow. Um, grew up on a... You know, pretty humble, pretty hum- humble beginnings, but loved growing up on the West Coast. Um, mm. The West Coast now is a lot different to what it was back then. A yeah. lot more vibrant, a lot more do sort you get, of opportunities. Do you get back, have you got back often over the years? Went back for Christmas. Yeah, um, right. So it's still or, the family base. Yeah, but. three or four days is enough. Yeah, yeah, um, like anyone. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I owe a lot to the West Coast, the yeah. people that, you know, great people down there, um, salt of the earth, you know, ha- quite a hard... Uh, quite a hard yes. um, a bunch of people down there, you know, they, they, they work hard, they play hard, yeah. which has kind of been my motto most yeah. of my life. Yeah. Um, and then the opportunity, I was playing basketball, I played rugby league, played rugby, played all types of sports, swum. Yeah. And then uh, the opportunity uh, for me in basketball came uh, to go to Nelson to play for Nayland College. Mm. So that opportunity arose when I was playing basketball for Greymouth uh, High School and we were, we were crap. Really, mm. we weren't mm. that great, and you know, playing against Nelson College and Allen College, we'd always get our butts kicked. But I, I averaged like thirty or forty points against some of these top teams, and I got a phone call after regionals from the principal from Nayland College saying, "Do you want to come to nationals?" And mm. I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." Well, you need to come to school for six <laughs> weeks. So I went up to Nayland College for six weeks. Mm. Didn't really go to class that much. Trained and then um, played at the nationals. Played very well at the nationals, and that's where. I was spotted by the coach of the Waikato Titans at the time, uh, Murray McMahon, and they invited me to Hamilton to, to, to play mm. up there, play first division as a 16-year-old. Mm. Uh, and then the rest is history, you know. The rest is your career. And yeah. when you say the rest is history, this is a – well, you had a really long career in basketball because you, you went back to it. Yeah. You took a break and then you were – and I seem to recall you were playing – um, Premier League or whatever when you were doing Good Morning. I was. Which must have been... So we'll, we'll Wellington to, Saints, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. Which must have been insane. We'll get to that. But so, um, what's I mean, what's going on in your childhood around all the sports is obviously a big focus for all the kids. Yep. it's um, It was a huge part of our life. You yeah. know, like, like I said, on a Friday, I'd play basketball on a Friday night. Saturday mm. morning, I'd be putting my boots on mm. to play rugby. Mm. And then on the Sunday, three quarters of the rugby team that I played for on the Saturday played for the league team. Yeah, yeah. And and people that don't know much about the West Coast, West Coast was a real stronghold for rugby league for right. many, many years. Right. The game's sort of dwindled away now. Mm. Um, but back in the early 30s when my granddad was playing, the Blackpool Club, I don't know whether you know much about Blackpool. Yeah, a little it's, bit, I do. It's kind, yeah. kind of a tiny place. Yes. You know, that Blackpool team, uh, 10 of that team were the Kiwi team, right. the New Zealand yeah, team. Right. So... Sport was a huge part of my upbringing. Um, like I said, I went to school to eat my lunch, mm, mm. Uh, and, but otherwise it was just basketball. And it was kind of, I realised at an early age that basketball was going to get me out of the coast mm, and mm. not working. I was I would, was refusing to work in a mine like everybody else were in the bush. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Do these look like thing? hands that are working a mine? <laughs> I know you can't see that. <laughs> um, well, we, you know, yeah, I was going to say, like, did you have any, any thoughts to any career outside of, you know, obviously once you get on the track of scholarships and 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 premier teams at a young age and stuff, things are starting to happen. But, do you know, are you training for something else ever? No, I, I think for me, you know, 
what I've learned along the way. And, and, and you know, even when I went through school, you know, I, I, I did enough to get by. Mm. And I was almost like a little bit, no, I wasn't lazy, but I just sort of had, I'm the type of person, and when we go on about what I'm doing now, mm. um, I learn on the spot. I pick yeah, up stuff, yeah. and I'm one of those people that yeah. really adapts and adjusts yeah. very, very quickly in whatever environment I'm in. Mm. Whether I'm speaking with CEOs or I'm speaking with, you know, like pretty much like <laughs> good Clems morning. Like me. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. you know, I feel like, like good morning. One minute you're talking <laughs> yeah, to a six-year-old, oh, no, totally. eight-year-old girl that's going away on a trip for a dance yeah, trip, and then you, you got, got the prime, prime minister. minister. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, so yeah. you know, and then someone like Ben Alton will come in. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. watch his show the night before, and mm. then I walk in and go. I'm not worthy. I remember to, being yeah, in the green room. I'm not when he worthy. Was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing guy, yeah. you know, yeah. super smart. Um, yeah. And then you're talking to guys that are, you know, legends in quantum physics and that. And mm. I was like, mm. you know, I read their books. It's Muhammad like, Ali's daughter. Yeah. I remember yeah. some of these people from just. So, yeah. I'm a, I'm a person that can adapt. I'm yeah. like a chameleon, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't do well in school, mm. but I always say that, you know, going and getting a degree. Um, mm. To me, shows application, which I yeah. think is fantastic, you yeah. know. And but to me, it's about applying what you've learnt yeah. into into the into the into the workforce or whatever you do. Are you able to then adapt yeah, yeah. and tailor what you've learnt to be able to do that? And so, I've kind of mine's been more of a life skills learning. Well, where where <laughs> do you think you? I mean, who can you credit with helping you discover that in you? Is it uh, a bunch of people from all of the sort of sports? Who was running the house when you were home? Who did you take the most influence from? How did the household work? Pro- probably my mum. Yeah. You know, because, and I, and I, I can talk about my dad wasn't, when my, my real daddy's passed away now, mm. he left us at a young age, so we had a, I had a stepdad that came in a little bit later, so it was kind of our mum, which was the role model for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and relationship with... Your far, father or stepfather was it? Was it there for you ever? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Father, no. Right. Father just gone. was. He well. He. I'll share the story. He approached me when I was a um, twenty-year-old playing mm. playing basketball up here at North. He just tapped me on the shoulder, and I was always trying to reach out to him to understand mm. what, where what, I'd come from. Yeah, yeah. Because I grew up in Greymouth. There wasn't mm. many Māori in Greymouth, so I thought, oh, maybe I'm Ngā, my tahu. Mm. But actually, I'm Ngāpuhi. I'm from mm. the north. That's where my dad's from. So, really interesting. Um, so, kind of met him, but he had a whole heap of issues and problems and, and just it didn't kind of work out. And the next time I saw him was when he, he passed away. I was in Hawke's Bay at the time and someone had come up to me and obviously in the death notices I said, oh, um, Geneva Pongi had passed away, uh, his sons, Brendan and Quentin. Um, Pongi, blah, 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 loved by Brendan and Quentin. Mm. had the... Um, it had the number for the marae. So I phoned it because, and so I went back for the tangi to find out just a little bit bit more about where Mm. I was from, Mm. which was sad. It was really, really sad. And I think for me, not having that male figure through through those times kind of made me quite hard, you know, in terms of my expectations and what I, you know, what I strive for is always so high, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think it's done, done me well. Mm. Throughout my career, but I think at times too, it's probably been a hindrance too, you know, because you can't do everything at 100 percent, mm. eh? You know, one hundred twenty percent. You can sometimes it's good for you to do something at sixty percent, you know. So being able to adjust to that, but that was more, I think, not having a dad. Yeah, that drove me to go. You know what? I'm good enough. So mm. that kind of self worth stuff. And are there, um, I guess, father figures of a sort 
through your life and coaches and captains and teammates? Yeah, yeah. One, one in particular that I really looked up to was Glenn Denham. So mm-hmm. Glenn's based out of um, Dunedin. Well, he was based out of Dunedin. He was my first tall black captain. But he was he had a he had a huge influence um, mm. uh, within my career. Uh, he um, I looked up to him. And yeah, there are various coaches and various people that you um, you learn something from. I think you learn something from everybody you meet in this world. Eh? Yeah, it's yeah. just how you apply that along the way. I think when you stop learning, is the day that they bury you in the ground. You know, mm, mm. I think it's a, a constant thing that you're always trying to mm. be better and and to learn and to grow in, in some way. So. I think I'm one of these people that sit and listens and I think, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, I don't sort of shut people down and go, well, mm. you know, because everyone's got a, an opinion. And your um, stepfather, he was an all right chap? Or? Yeah, no, he was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, no, he was great. Mate, yeah. he was there for us. He drove us to our sport and done all those yeah. things he was needed to do. But, I, I mean, I left home at a young age, yeah, but yeah, I was gone yeah. at 16. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one minute I'm here, next minute I'm in Hamilton, and then the next minute I'm in America. Yeah. Um, playing, you know, doing a junior college scholarship over there, walk on, like, mm. go and do this scholarship, don't have the scholarship, but know a guy that's at the school, mm. I turn up to go, and there's only two spots, so I go there thinking, okay, but there's two spots, and, you know, I get one of the spots, mm. so I, the thing is for me, man, I back myself, eh, I really do, it's, you know, people can say it's, it's, people can look at it and go, that's arrogant, but I'm just like, I'm just a firm believer, why not? Why, why, why can't I do that? Mm. It's like getting the good morning job, mm. you know. Mm. I remember when I got the job and I talked it up that I could do mm. it. And then when I hung up the phone, I was like, man, <laughs> I, better, I better be able to walk the walk now. Well, talk the talk. There's probably a couple more steps before we get into that. <laughs> but, but I've got to admit, I've always wanted to know, I mean, I knew you had some abilities on camera. So that's a no-brainer. And I know they were looking for... A male, female, dual, dual host, host thing, but I've got to admit, and I wouldn't have been the only one. I did wonder how, like, what brought you to it, like, why you wanted to do it, and why you were chosen. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll get there in a few minutes. So you you leave home and you you hit the ground running with basketball yeah. by this point, and yeah. so you move around. You're in America. What what happens in America for you? So I was how at a, that? so I was at a junior college for yeah. two years. So I'll, I'll tell you, who came in as the president was um um. Oh, what's his name? You know, the one that was caught with Monica Lewinsky. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, he came in as the president at the yeah, time, yeah, you know, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton <laughs> uh, which was, a, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, and so I was at junior college. Quite, for me, it was, um, it was quite lonely over there because, mm. you know, I, um, I didn't really know, know any, oh, I knew a couple of, I knew one family and then there was one other Kiwi guy, um, a guy, Venu, who was on the football team. We kind of knocked around together, but I found it quite lonely. Mm. I really did, you know, and, um, you know, trying to, I mean, it was, it was fine, but I kind of was looking forward to coming home, uh, mm. you know, after after being over there for that, that long. It was only two years, but... That's a long time, especially then, you know, especially you're a kid still, pretty much. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you that's know, it. The world isn't as wide, widely connected as it is now. No. Prosperous time for America, but that doesn't mean anything to a little mm. kid. Well, just being shoved there. And, and for me, it was trying to adjust. And mm. they, they loved you because you were quite, I mean, you know what Americans are like. They're mm. quite, they, they see you as a, not an enigma, but quite unique. Mm. One, you don't, you know, they don't speak. That sound well. the same. Yeah. The, 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 the second thing is, is that um, they, they wonder how you got there. You know, I mean, I had conversations with, mm. with some people and I'm not being rude or anything, but they'll be sitting there and then, you know, you'd be talking for 10 minutes and they go, so, so you guys are in New Zealand, you speak English? 
<laughs> or, or you know like you know how how'd you get here and i go well you know i caught a fishing boat over to australia and then hopped on another boat and they said go really said, no i flew here were they intrigued about um you know your race and you know married married them and well they were and and um i think i was trying to liken which uh, in a way to the to the maori culture mm. with the indian mm. um culture we, I think we're a lot further along in terms of where we are compared yeah, sure. to maybe where they are and I, th- I know that um, a lot of our Māori leaders spend a lot of time with the Indian mm. people just to try and help them to move along a bit further with what they're doing it's mm. a bit like the Aboriginals but mm. there's a long way to go there mm-hmm. with Australia I didn't want them to go down that down that track but um it was it was a huge it was a huge learning curve for mm. me, you know, that whole just being out by yourself and mm. not having family. But my whole life's been a lot like that, because I mean, can I move on from the states? Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. So I moved home, and then I, and then I ended up going to Australia um, with a coach of mine, and, and went to Geelong. You know, you've been in Geelong. I haven't been there. I know. 30, I know Geelong, where it is on 30, the map. Thirty yeah. years ago. Yeah, God. You know, and I. Which I be like being anywhere else. A hundred yeah, years ago. Yeah, and I worked. I had a great job for Coca Cola, mate. I was getting making good money. I was playing mm. basketball over there. Mm. I played under uh, Lindsay Gaze, which is Andrew Gaze's dad. Andrew Gaze, one of the greatest players ever played for Australia. His mm. dad was one of one of the greatest coaches. So I, I went there, and I loved Australia. I mm. loved it. I just loved the diversity. I loved the culture, you know, because you've got Italians, you've got Greeks, you've got Lebanese, mm. you've got Maori, you've got Pacific Islander, you've got Chinese. You know, you've got so many mm. diverse cultures, and um, I just, I don't know. I just, it's kind of like New Zealand without the hang-ups. <laughs> I, loved, I loved Melbourne. Yeah. I loved it. I yeah. spent four years there, five years, just traipsing mm. around, playing basketball, um, doing my thing, and um, and then I and then I I got the opportunity to come back home, and I was approached to come back home. And um, when do you sort of? I mean, you're obviously good at the game early on. You have these, you know, places you go to, teams you teams you move up through, through the ranks. For is it a graduated sense of learning and like, oh, I'm good now, and then suddenly you're thrust into. You know, shit. Everyone on the court is better than me. I'm not actually very good. And then you like reach another stage, like like learning an good, instrument. Shit, I'm good again. Good, good question. Um, and I might go back even a few more mm. years when I was a f- uh, six year old mm. at my school in Greymouth and Greymouth School. I'll never forget. We had a sports day. Like it was kind of a mini Olympics. And I remember going down the park and training. You know, like the day before, and lying in the grass on my on my back visualising me winning the gold medal at a six-year-old, <laughs> but also visualising me playing for New Zealand one day mm. in a sport, which is crazy. Mm. As a six-year-old that you think, mm. even think that. And, and and then moving forward to, you know, when you, when you actually do make it. And I guess to answer your question around stepping into this environment mm. where as a 16-year-old all of a sudden I'm thrown into the National League yeah. where there's, you know, I'm playing against Stan Hill, one of the greatest players to ever yeah. play. yeah. I didn't find that a hard transition mm. because I had a belief in myself that, I, you know, it didn't, no matter how old I was, and I wasn't being arrogant, I just had this internal belief that, you know what, uh, are they good enough to pick me? Mm-hmm. I'm good enough to play. Yeah. So yeah. I never ever was intimidated by the situation, the players around me, I embraced it mm. and actually used it as a strength as a, to, to empower me mm. as a mm. player, not being arrogant. 
but just it, it actually empowered me because I think I used to think to myself, and I was, I was probably a bit ahead of my time actually from a you know young player's perspective. You know that needs to be nurtured, and that I was like, well, nah, mm. I can do this. I can play here. Mm. I can shoot the basketball. He goes to the toilet just like me. You know, he might be about twenty years older, but yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. so I didn't find it that hard to adapt to that. Mm. Um, obviously, you're adapting to the the game, the, the way the game's played, the speed of the game. But apart from that, psychologically and mentally, mm. I was I was ready to to play. And it did you all. have? I mean, like I know I know from us knowing each other and seeing on Facebook sometimes I'll share a clip of you know. NBA footage from the 80s or 90s and you'll be on there um, commenting with others or you'll be sharing them yourselves but you know did you have like long standing sort of international basketball heroes like Michael Jordan yeah I was going to say that would be the perfect era for yeah Magic Johnson yeah um, Larry Bird yeah that whole era you yeah, know yeah um, the Bad Boys, the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, yeah. You know that that whole area was pretty special. You know, yeah, was, Isaiah, um, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Um, just the rivalry that the, the dream the, team. The era. Dream, that's yeah. right. It was. Yeah. It was. That was me at high school like that. You know, I, play, I I was not a great basketballer. I was I was a good enough sports person, but I was a pretty average basketballer. But I was an enthusiastic, you know, watcher of the game, and that was big for me. Well, it was yeah. And when you look back at that era. Mm. You know the Jordan era, and that yes, they go on it, but man, they were tough series. Mm. They weren't like people were like going in. You know, your New York Knicks, you mm. know, Patrick Ewings, and all mm. that. Man, it was a tough Charles Barkley's. Mm. It was, Malone. it was Malone. You <laughs> yep. know, Moses Malone, Stockton, all yeah. those guys. It was just, it was a tough era, yeah, but yeah. competitive, which makes it even. You know, when you, you see Jordan and what he did, it was amazing. And yes. I know there's always the comparisons, Jordan and LeBron. And LeBron and, yeah, and yeah. It's a different era, you know? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's different kind era. of uh, uh, Different Jordan, players. Jordan, to me, it's a bit like um, going back and watching Richard Hadley bowl and yeah. going, hey, they're a better, faster, more economical, you know, bowlers. But, man, that guy had a style. Oh. You know, and he totally. was a class act in, in and of his era. Yeah, it's very similar so. to me. Yeah. yeah and across the board with sports, obviously, you know, you go back and name all blacks that, you know, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's if you look back at sport and you look at you know some of. I mean, look back at rugby league. You know the the era when Kevin Tamati and that mm. were all playing the mm. Sorensen brothers. Mm. You know, and then I used to love um, Bernie Fraser. You know, when Bernie was playing for um, for the All Blacks, mm. and then Stu Wilson on the wing, Stephen Porchetti. You know, who played in the centres, mm. and you know all those guys. Alan Hewson, yeah, Brian McKechnie. Mm. You, you know, mm. like. Mm. Uh, Murray Mixted, mm. you know that era of rugby that still, you know that kind of those kind of people still stick mm. out in your in your mind, you know, mm. because they were the well, they were the pioneers for me mm. Mm. at the time in mm. sport, you know. And when I look at basketball, there was Stan, there was John Hill, yes, there was, um, you know, there was a number of uh, Dutchy Rademakers um, who played for Canterbury. Um, you know, it was just an era. You know, if, if softball, I played softball, you know, same mm. thing. So Mark Sorensen, a Mark's a good mate of mine now. Yeah, yeah. You know, like all those guys. Mm. See, there's an element of respect across any sports spectrum. Yes. Because people, un well, anyone that's played sport at that high enough level yeah. will always respect other sports, will never bag other sports mm -hmm. because, well, generally they won't. Because they know what it takes. I was going to say, there's, to a, there's, a, there's, to a, be there. there's a mental toughness that is, that is completely um, across the board. You know, essentially, 
the same can be measured the same way. Yeah. So there are different levels of endurance and stamina yeah. involved in sports, but um, the mental toughness is you know one hundred percent across the board. Well, that's the difference, isn't it, between yeah. good athletes and great athletes, yeah. isn't it? The top six inches or the top three yeah, inches, yeah. I say. Yeah. You know, because you know, athletes nowadays are much of a muchness. You know, some are big, strong, mm. and that you know, unless you get your freaks like your LeBrons and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. That, but but generally it comes to that you know. But then you look at LeBron. His IQ of the game is phenomenal, mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal, mm. you know, and I just think there's more to any athlete or anybody mm. is those top three inches and whatever it is, whether it's sport, business, that's what, you know, sets people apart. And, you, you know, you mentioned the LeBron-Michael um, Jordan thing. You know, whenever that comes up, I always think, well, go back and watch Wilt uh, Chamberlain because maybe he was the greatest of all time. You know, right. he certainly was right then and there. And... Um, you know, and, and any number of, you know. Totally. You know, LeBron, I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Um, Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, was he one of the best big men around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, Barkley in his way. Oh, you exactly. Know? I mean, yeah. well, because Barkley didn't win a championship, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. as good as one. I mean, yeah. we can say the same about Moses Malone, John mm. Stockton. Mm. They were just in an era mm. where it was so tough. And I mentioned someone like, you know, again, another thing with sport is, you mentioned Kareem, I mean, there's someone that's got to be pretty inspiring to a lot of people, like, he is outside of sport, but anyone like yourself that has moved up through competitive sport and professional sport, and then moved into other areas in the public eye, like broadcasting, you look at someone like him, and... That's gold standard stuff, right? Oh, very much so. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about what you learn in the sporting arena and how you transfer that across to (laughs) whether it's the media or Mm. business or whatever and what skill sets you take. Mm. Because everyone, you know, looks at Michael Jordan, what a great basketballer, but, man, what about as a businessman? Mm -hmm. You know, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, Magic Johnson, phenomenal. Mm. Yes, the opportunities probably yeah, came yeah, a little yeah. bit. The door opens yeah, a bit easier. But, but they grabbed, gotta, they grabbed yeah. the opportunity with both hands. That's right. I, I'm a firm believer yeah. that everybody, maybe not the opportunities they have at that level, but everybody has something that may come across their, their t- you know, across their table and, and they can decide to pick it up and run with it or not, you know? Also, one of the things that I think, you know, people who are very invested in the arts and get understandably frustrated that sport gets a little bit more noise and and notice than some of the arts but there's no reason why you can't like both and be be involved in both but one of the things that um, sport is very good at showing is the people that succeed in sport and perhaps the reason apart from an opportunity coming maybe a little bit easier but there's so much um, politics involved there's so much um, you know business acumen involved so it's these transferable skills are being learned the whole way and developed. But but it's I also look at it too society um, and what their what their measure of success is because you know sometimes success is measured in so many different ways for mm. each individual. So mm. what we see may see as success um, for one thing may not be success mm. for somebody else. You know. So what is success? How, well, do, you, how do you determine what success yeah. is? You know, to to each individual person. You know, um, because everyone goes, oh, you know, they've they've got the the scoring record, but is that what they determine success, or is it the championship well, one, or is it you know? Well, the really really great sporting battles, whether it's a one on one situation like tennis, or a a one on one situation within teams like um, Larry Bird, Magic yeah. Johnson, you know, the, the rivalries and things. Um, 
you know, you can actually eventually strip the sport away. It's basically about psychology. It's about, you know, mental toughness. You know, I forget his name, but that young kid who just beat Federer the other day. Yeah, I mean, I started watching that game and it was like, this is going to be fucking incredible. And unfortunately, I fell asleep but and woke up to hear the result. But it was like you could almost see it was going to, you know, it was going to be an incredible match from the opening frames of it. Well, then they talk about Djokovic and the way he mm. played against Nadal. And they mm. said, even Nadal, you know, is, is Djokovic the greatest player of all time, yeah. even though he's got 15 um, mm. you know, titles, mm. but he's still young. Is he going to break 20? Mm. Is Federer mm. going to win again? You know, is, mm. is Nadal done? You know, like, there's so many variables. And, you know, like Nadal's won 11 titles. Yeah. You know, and, and he's certainly not going to give it up on his on the clay court. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so, and Djokovic is very, very aware of that, you know. Yeah. He just on his day was just far more, you know, yeah. far better, you know. Yeah. So what's it like on the road for you as a sport, as a as a player, when you're in the when you're in the Tall Blacks, when you're playing um, in the in the National League? Um, what's you know what are the road stories like? Is it a tough life? Is it a charmed life? Is it sometimes a bit of both? It's a it's a it's a bit of both, you know. When you're on the road, because it's business, you mm. know, it's like mm. you you travel, you arrive at um, wherever you're playing. You might arrive the night before, uh, so you're first thing in the morning. You've usually got shoot around, then you got a team lunch, and then you got a game that night. Mm. You know, all things going well. You're out having a few beers after mm. the game if, mm. if you've won, but you you might have to back up the next night and have another game. So, um, I love travelling on the road personally because I think for me. You like as meeting a, people. Yeah, you like, like yeah, 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 that. But I think as a team, you really um, rely on one another because mm-hmm. you're, it's just you against them. That's mm. why I look at it. And when you're in a uh, in a way gym, for me, it's it's I love it because mm. it's like you got everybody's against you, and it's just you, you, you and your team mm. that are trying to battle and, mm. and, and, and win this game. So I, I've and, and I think as a team, you grow from that mm. um, as the season goes on. It's the travel. I mean. I, the amount of travel we done, and I, I think about Stephen Adams and what he does. He's got 80, you know, eighty something games a year, and they travel mm. over the US. It's got to be crazy. You know, they're playing three games a night. Yeah, not a night, three games a, yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. so, and you know, that's another level again. Mm. It wasn't like people knew who you were. Don't get me wrong. When when we come into town and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Um, but not to the level that these guys are mm. are at. Um, so. Tall Blacks International was great. You know, mm. it was always busy schedules, so, but it was fun. You know, we'd go on tours the States and we'd drive everywhere, you know. And people don't know, when I first played for New Zealand, you had to pay to go away. Yeah, yeah. We had to pay for our trips. Mm. I never get to, got to keep my Tall Black singlet mm. until my last game for New Zealand. We beat Australia in the first ever series that New Zealand had ever beaten uh, the Aussies. Mm. That was the only time we had to keep a singlet. Otherwise, you'd be wearing singlets from the years before, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, and we got given a pair of socks. Yeah. But I wasn't ungrateful about that. Yeah, yeah. Because that was what it was. Yeah. That was the era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We loved it. We stayed at the YMCA, and you know, the YMCA on Pitt mm, Street. Mm. And like, if you've ever been to the rooms in the YMCA, and we had a guy called Rob Hickey, who was seven foot, right? The beds were like four foot. Yeah. You know, seven foot yeah. don't fit in the four foot. Yeah, yeah. So the mattress would be on the floor. Yeah. And you'd walk down the hallway, his feet would be outside the door. <laughs> so you'd have to stand over. And we'd be given like, so you get per diems every day, right? Mm, mm. So your per diem was um, like, I don't know, $12 for, for dinner and breakfast. And breakfast was like eight and dinner was like, so you were you were in, you were in, you know, you, 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 you were using your own money by the mm. end of the night. So, but you never... We never worried about that, you know. Mm. We just, 
I think it made us closer and tighter, you know, when we when you look at it. Mm. And there wasn't the money around um, like there is nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously pre the breakers in, in New Zealand and the Australian League, but, mate, we never... And do you um, share sort of... What's your relationship like with your brother and your sister in terms of do you share war stories? Is there an extra level of, I guess, empathy? Like siblings have that a bond anyway, but you guys are all out doing it at intersecting points roughly the same time, sharing this, you know. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I, I remember one particular time uh, where the Kiwis were playing against Australia at um, North, North Harbour. Mm. And this was back when Eden, not Eden Park, um, oh, what is it? What's the rugby league park that it used to be? Um, Carlo Park. Mm. When Carlo Park was around, my sister was playing Australia on the Thursday night. Mm. Or Friday, yeah, Thursday night because the men's game was on the Friday. And I was living in Auckland. And so going along to a rugby league match to watch my sister play, who I just, you know, my sister was such a quiet, you know, um, well-spoken but just quite humble mm. and you know like she's a front row forward right playing for the women's team you know where they kick off and this Australian um, this Australian Aboriginal girl comes running up she's a big girl and my sister like I've never seen a woman hit another woman so hard I looked at my brother and oh <laughs> I said mate she might be useful for you on Saturday on Friday night when you guys play the other <laughs> so it's quite cool to yeah. to go there and support and just yeah. it's quite it's, it's very it's a very proud moment to mm. see your siblings mm. when the national anthem's playing and you're watching your siblings um, singing the national anthem and at the time my brother was the captain of the Kiwi team mm. at, at the time and mm. you know getting up and speaking afterwards and that you know it's quite a proud moment um, well you all understand it a little bit more about each other too is yeah, what that's I'm getting right. at you yeah, know, yeah. you've all had your version of it which yeah. is, which is um, not usual in a, in, in a single family no you know, well that's right it's, it's a bit of an anomaly so well we, so we grew up I mean rugby league was a big part of us mm. growing up and I remember we used to be in the backyard and we'd be mimicking like um, <laughs> uh, Mal Meninga because mm. we mm. love Mal so I, I'll never forget it when Quinn was picked up in Australia they, they, so the three clubs we were looking at was Manly mm. Canberra and the Roosters yeah. so he met with Manly he met with the Roosters and then when he flew to Canberra guess who they brought to dinner wow Mal Meninga smell my finger see ya so mate said. yeah that's right <laughs> and so basically yeah he was he was all over it. Yeah, wow. He, um, mate, wasn't even a, didn't even think twice. And then yeah, he gets to yeah. win his final, yeah, win the grand final in 94. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Amazing. So, you know, it strikes me, I sort of knew this, but just talking to you and thinking this through, you know, this whole idea of um, grabbing opportunity and just backing yourself to do things. Your, I guess, career opportunities have sort of largely arrived on the back of the thing you've been doing before before it like you you move into broadcasting because of basketball. being a basketball player that's right and then that takes you to eventually good, good morning. morning and then from there and dancing with the stars you start to build connections to go into other areas which is what we'll get into talking about but that's something you can't actually plan for no and you can be a six-year-old saying i'd like to play for new zealand one day but yeah. then not and then i'll have a tv career that, <laughs> well know? that's right so really interesting around that so mm. let's i'll go back to mm. the basketball side of things and actually yeah. that opportunity because i knew the breakers were coming into the australian league right and i was working for main at the time mm. and um I'll share this story, it's, it's hilarious. So I only just started at Main Freight. And at Main Freight, the rule at Main Freight is if you're a, um, if you come out of university, whatever, it doesn't matter where you've come from, you've got to do a year on the floor. Mm -hmm. So you're working out in the warehouse, that's just the rule. 
I broke the rule. <laughs> I got up into the marketing team by within three months, which was unheard of. But anyway, Jason Chandler was my boss. So mm. Jason used to play for the Auckland Blues, mm-hmm. big lock for the Auckland Blues. And I heard about this opportunity. I'd been texting and ringing, not texting, emailing um, Sky Young Eye, you know, really love the opportunity. I know the breakers are coming and I really want an opportunity to sort of come along and sit, do some commentary stuff, whatever. And I kept hounding, hounding, nothing, nothing. Kept hounding, hounding. Finally, Tui McKendrick was the lady. She rang me, she said, oh, Brendan, come in. We'll have a catch-up and a meeting. Anyway, prior to me going in the meeting, um, I'd, um, I'd already talked to... I kind of had this feeling that I was, I'd get the job. Mm. I mean, it's a bit arrogant, really, thinking that. <laughs> um, but if, if you look... You've got to back that, yourself. Yeah, that, if you look at that whole... Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. It's, 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 there's a it theme. lines up. There's yeah. a theme, right? Yep. So, anyway, I turn up and I... Um, uh, as I'm chatting to her, she goes, oh, there's an opportunity, Sport 365. It's a sports news show. So I work with Melanie Robinson, Steve mm. McIver, myself... Uh, and it's on every day, so that's a half an hour sports show that we'd love you to be part of. You can be a journalist. Tommy, you being a journalist for no journalism <laughs> training. Wouldn't know how to cut a story or put a story together. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yep, no worries. Um, and you would like to offer you the job with um, doing the breakers stuff mm. as well. And I said, oh, that'd be, that's great. And she goes, well, the question I need to ask you now is, what were you, um, what are your current employees, what, what, what will they think? And I said, oh, um, I've already told them that um, I've, I've, I've got the job with you guys. <laughs> And she goes, what? I said, oh, I kind of had a feeling that I was going to get this job. So I already kind of almost like handed in my notice. <laughs> That's kind of arrogant. But, I, no, I just, you know, I had a feeling that it was going to happen. your judicious use of the word yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, and so she goes, oh, okay. So she started in a couple of weeks. I said, yep. Mm. And that's where it started. Yeah. So did that, did the basketball, and then, you know, honed my skills. I had no idea how to cut a story. So I literally went alongside a guy called Alex. What was Alex's last name? An English guy. He'd been in broadcasting for ages, and I just watched how they cut stories and, mm. and, and put stories together. And that's that's kind of how I learned. Learn on the job. Yeah. But, and journalism. I mean, it's so much has changed, but journalism and broadcasting. Um, and I, you know, obviously, I guess it's true of many jobs, but journalism and broadcasting is all about. It's a family, and once you're in. If you're a decent person, you're kind of in. That's how it used to be then anyway. Like, obviously, the whole, you know, the game has shifted now. But, you know, I, I had a similar experience with first getting into writing for newspapers. Like, a woman took a chance on me and said, if you're not a total cock and you get your shit in on time, they'll, they'll let you do more yeah. stuff. That's kind of how it works. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just try and be good and be prompt and, and don't be an asshole. And you might get some more work. And that's sort of how that operates, right? Yeah, totally, and then so so then you get to fill in, which yeah. is you know the thing is you know you take every opportunity, yeah. take every opportunity, and so you might not be the world's best rugby commentator, but there's a spot to do a sideline thing, and you know the game because you love rugby, your specialties basketball or league or whatever, but you you stump up and you do it, and then next thing, I will get you to do some more of that sort of stuff. I was terrible, mate. I, I actually <laughs> like not terrible. Like, reading autocue. Oh yeah. my gosh, I mean, it's not that easy to read autocue. It really isn't, you know. No, it used so. to fr- it used to frighten me on Good Morning looking at it, and I didn't have to read from it. You know, I used to put myself in your position or Sarah's position or, or Steve or anyone, and I could see you guys having to do it, and it's in my eye line, but I don't have to deal with it, and no. it looks 
freaky. Well, it's it, well, it's just trying to make it sound like it's not being read. You totally. know, it's a ch- kind of owning it. Yeah. You know, intonation and just you know. That's right. But sometimes they cha- change the order cue. Um, yeah. Like something else would be coming up, and all of a sudden you'd be reading, and, and you you'd be having an inflection of like, well, yeah. you, you shouldn't have said it like I'm that. Ron Burgundy. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> totally. And yeah. so, but that was, mate. It's. The nature of live TV, man. Yeah. I love live TV. Yeah. Because this, and I know this may sound sick, but <laughs> I, I, there's so much that could go wrong. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. It's 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 fun and exciting, and I I love um, live radio for that. You know, I love doing live radio and yeah. thinking, you know, I might shoot my mouth off here, and how's that going to sit? And I love that. You know. Well, I think I think it's it's um, it's authentic. Mm. It's raw. It's authentic. You get someone reacts to what they feel, so you're actually getting the honest person of who they actually are. You know yep. what I mean? And the first year I did Good Morning, and you know I um, had no designs to to be on TV ever. But the first year I did Good Morning, which was before you started, it was pre-recorded, and so it was shot as if it was live. But they just you know they they did the week they did them a week behind and it had a different feel when it moved to actually this is live you felt more invested in it yeah because you you just knew in the back of your mind if you had like i think when i did my segments for the first year they called cut once um and i don't know if it was because of me but they called cut once but you always knew that was going to be an option oh come on we'll take it from the top we're fucked up and that's not an option when it's live, and it's great, yeah. That was the great thing about you, Simon, and when I had you, I was like, okay, I know. And you guys that are listening to this, is Simon and I would have this cue, and I'd always have my hand to the side because the camera would be on him, and I'd go, and I'd be rolling it like in a circle, mm. going to the next point, next one, next one. So he knew the timing, which was great. So mm. it was, um, you kind of understood how it works. The camera wasn't on me. Every now and then it would, I kind of used to interject, but... It was like, okay, Simon, on your marks, get set, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was great. It was great because I was learning. You know, I was learning how to do it. Um, the same thing by just turning up, and you start. And the whole reason I agreed to do it was, you know, it was nice to be asked to do it. But the whole reason I wanted to do it was, this is a completely different thing. This yeah. is a different way of reviewing music. And yeah. so I would get home probably right. I mean, I did it for a long time. I did it right through your yeah. tenure and for a year or so before. So I don't know how long, but it would have been six, six, seven years, yeah, seven six, years, seven years, something like that. And I, every week you'd get home and go, fuck, why didn't I say that about that album? Whereas when you're writing reviews, which I mostly do, you have the, you have the time to, and now even I write for my own website, I don't think I've done this more than once or twice, but you can actually go back and edit it even afterwards and go, oh, I really want to include that paragraph. Yes, I've technically already published it, but you know, it's still going to reach a whole lot of other people that haven't read it yet. I mean, no chance for that with live TV, which oh, is yeah. great. And, and, yeah. I, and I know times where you know, I've been cutting something during a cooking segment and the chef's been behind and they've had the frying pan in the oven because <laughs> they've been roasting something and then they pull the frying pan out yeah. and I go around and grab the frying pan not realising it's hot and go, shit, <laughs> yeah. on live TV yeah. and turn to the audience and go, Sorry, New Zealand, I can't take that back. <laughs> <laughs> which is which speaks their authenticity. That's right. That. It's kind it's of wonderful. Gone. Like, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. I used to. I think for me, the key for me is I played with the audience, yeah, and yeah. I think with a lot of people that used to watch the show, and I mean, I still have people now 
come up to me and go, I miss you on Good Morning. I don't know how many years it's gone. Because, you know what, it was just, even if they weren't watching it, they'd have it on the background in their their house, your voice. Mm. Like, I'll be sitting with my back to someone and someone will come and go, oh, my gosh, I remember your voice. when I talked to Sarah for the podcast, you know, she said, I... I, I miss it, like I do miss it. If I'm honest, I miss doing it. It was, you know, and, you know, I'm still a little, you know, a little disappointed. We, you know, we got canned and it moved to Auckland. Like, it was a really great job to do. It was, and for me... Well, let's go back to how you got it. Oh, so, so you're doing this sports stuff. You're see, doing some commentary. You're doing some news stories around sports. You'd and my contract was just coming up, mm. and so I was, I was like probably three weeks away. It's like, mate, I'm, you know, I'm in the right place at the right time mm. again. Mm. And then I get this phone call from, um, who was it? Oh, she was, I should know. Um, oh, my gosh. That girl, she was at Good Morning. She, anyway, she rang me and said, Was it Georgia? No, it wasn't no. Georgia. It was Taro's wife, Taro Kuping's wife. Um, oh, my gosh. Anyway, here, yeah. it'll come to me. Yeah. Um, and she rang me, she said, oh, Brendan, I just want to let you know that I've, I've let the producer know that because um, we're looking for a mail for a good morning. Um, they've, they've been looking at heaps of people, shot loads of people, mm. and they've had about 30 or 40 guys come through, but they still haven't, you know, found the one. I said, okay. I said, she's going to ring you in 10 minutes. I said, okay, sweet. Fiona, Fiona, um, Fiona yeah, Kuping. Yeah, I was yeah, Fiona yeah, Apanui yeah. at the time. She's yeah, found a bit of TV. That's right, yeah. Um, and so I said, oh, yep, cool. And then she hung, I was like, I said to her, I said, good morning. Is it um, Mary Lamby, is it, or something? Because yeah. once again, I'll be one of those ones, maybe it's on in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I sat there and I, um, she phoned, it was um, Sally-Ann. Mm-hmm. Sally-Ann Kerr was the producer. And I'll never forget her ringing up. And she was asking me all these questions. Yep, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Anyway, she got off the phone and she went to Fiona and she goes, mate, this guy's confident. I hope he can deliver what he says. <laughs> that's right, that's, I didn't find that until later. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, meeting up at TVNZ, two-hour two hour interview. So I rocked into TVNZ. I was quite nervous because I was like, man, mm. I've talked it up. I'm going to have to deliver. <laughs> What's this going to look like? You know, I walk straight through and I run into Sally Ann. Sally Ann sits me down and she goes, oh, nice to have you. She goes, I want you to interview me now. I go, what do you want me to interview about? She's just... Whatever. Just talk to me, just, you know, just to yeah. get a feel. Anyway, I started chatting to her and I, I started opening up. I went to a few places probably where she didn't want to go. She's oh, well, that's enough. Well, that's enough for an interview for now. <laughs> I said, come on, we're just getting to the juicy stuff. <laughs> and then I had to interview... She was quite high up at, uh, at TVNZ. Um, she was involved with a Good Morning show and then her partner, a, he's a, he's a um, actor remember his name anyway he'd been part of all the interview process mm. so I had to interview him he'd just come over from the UK I got this quick given this quick brief I had to read it like in five minutes mm. a brief of the person and I said interview him on camera anyway I interviewed him on camera mate we had a, it was so good it was a house <laughs> it, was, it just went off really well I didn't find out until afterwards because him and I we became good friends he went upstairs to his wife and went that's the guy there mm. you need to employ Cause, Which is crazy, yeah. you know, like, because it was like, I, I heard of some of the other people and they were all so much more experienced in, in that well, field, you know? you know, I, 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 I um, told Sarah this, cause, so you probably don't know, wouldn't know this and she didn't, but in the early stages of them auditioning people for that year, before they got you two, they got me to stay behind 
a couple of times and be like a dummy interviewee for a couple of people in the Wellington studio. And I can't, I mean, I'd name them if I remember who they were, but they were pretty dreadful. But but just because it's fucking freaky, like, totally. they've totally. probably gone on to do really great things yeah. and were probably doing really great things before that. But in that moment, they were pretty uniformly dreadful, like deer in the headlights shit. And you and I know that, and anyone who's been on a live situation does know that feeling. Um, and that's when I went... You know, and I'd, I'd been doing it for a year or whatever as an amateur, and I was like, oh, I'm not as, you know, I'm not as bad at this as I thought, and yeah. fuck, it really is hard. Like, it's, you never, and it was a really good thing for me to go through, because then it's like, I never took it for granted. Like, right. we would have a bit of fun, but I like to think I was quite professional in turning up at that, you know, because yeah, totally. it's like, fuck, you can't, no, you can't no. fuck this up. No, no, that's You can right. have a bit of fun, and you can be honest about a mistake, but you've got to be trying. Oh, yeah, very much so. You, you never, you, you always had to be on your game. Yeah, there, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I'll hand on my heart. Never ever did I ever get drunk or that mm, the night before mm, I went on. Mm. You can't. You can't. You can't. So do many it, variables, and you know there were like, I mean, describe for people. So okay, well, you get into, so you get the job. Yep. So, so I got the job. What yep. happens from there? Yeah, so I got the job. It's funny. So that and then they rang me up. So I, I moved to Wellington. I, mm. uh, my sister was living in Wellington at the time, so I moved in with my sister down in Wellington, which was great, mm. just in the interim. Um, and then we started doing, you know, because it was still about four or five weeks away from the show, actually. Mm. And so we started putting stories together, you know, and getting used to the crew and then practicing and stuff mm. like that. And then I remember the first show because we had horses on the show and we were outside and... Um, yeah, uh, some skateboard guy or something, and I was. I look back, it was horrid. <laughs> yeah, I bet the it first show must horrid. have been. Yeah. I sort of sat there and went, "Really? Did they <laughs> see something in me?" Yeah, you yeah. Know, I was just like, "Really? Mm. They must have been sitting there going, oh, it's got to get better.'" Mm. And I and I I just battled away, you know, just trying to. I think for me, and I'll never forget the that first show, being in the green room, and I was. Not in the green, I was actually in my, in my where, where I get dressed and that. And mm. I looked in the mirror and I thought, man, how should I act? Is there a certain way? And then I looked at myself and I went, you know what? Just be yourself. Mm. Just be yourself, man. Because, you know, I thought to myself, if I don't be myself, then. And you know what TV's like. Mm-mm. If you try to be someone you're not, man, you will get it found out. comes through. You, TV, you will get found out yeah. real Cuts quickly, right through mate. you. Right through you. Yeah. The authenticity, yeah. people see right through it. So, man. I mean, I can't remember. You know, a definitive take on first meeting you or first working with you, but the the thing I remember, I mean, I remember a lot of our segments and a lot of, and we laughed a lot. And you described, you know, how you were very good at giving me a bit of a wrap it up signal or two minutes to go or whatever. But um, I, the thing I remember fondly from the very earliest days with Good Morning is how you would come into the green room and try and meet some of the people that were there that day, whether it was people like me that did a regular segment or a one-off famous guest or, as you say, you might be talking to a dock worker or, a, you know, a school kid, a whatever, someone who's really not famous at all, right up to the scale of people like Ben Elton and so forth. But you'd try and get away from the makeup room in the studio and get in and say hello to them. Well, you gotta t- I think you've got to take yeah. the time with people. I yeah. mean, what makes me any better than you because I'm presenting a show? And, and so, that, I, yeah, yeah. So you, you wouldn't always be able to do that. Like, no. Sometimes because it's segment, 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 but... Yeah, no, you're right, but here's the thing. Here's where the magic is. When you have a guest coming in and they've brought people in, maybe their wife, he's mm. in having makeup, mm. all of a sudden, I've met him, I'm going to talk to her. Mm. Do you know how much information I used to get? And so you'll be <laughs> in the middle of an interview, yes. and you'll start talking away, and I go, oh, tell us about this, and they'd look at you going, how do you know that? And I go, you know what? 
I've learned over the years, you know, sometimes you don't bring your wife or your husband in because they've got all the information I need. I was just talking about general stuff. Like, yeah. oh, did you know so-and-so? Yeah. And so that's where the magic is, man, mm. because, one, you've taken the time out to actually find out a little bit more about that person because what they're coming in for and what they want to talk about, generally most people know that or people will regurgitate stuff that you can go on the internet and find mm. out about them. But actually what I used to do is I used to try and find something unique or unusual about them that they would go, oh, he's done his homework. Mm. It's like um, books, you know, mm. we'd have authors. I would read every book and I used to hate reading, but if I had an author in it, I would read the book from cover to cover mm. because they know. Oh, you yeah. rock in. You can't fault and, and authors and you, you shouldn't try. No, no, no. And so yeah. you'd go in and then they'd look at you and you'd go, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, he's probably just read the review. Mm. And then when you start chatting, oh, my gosh, what you got back from that interview is mm. they, they were more giving of themselves. Yeah, they of course. go, oh, you're cool, man. And also, like, most people who um, do something for a living where or even on the side, but where they've become famous so where they're asked about it, so, like, musicians or authors or whatever, often that's the thing they actually enjoy talking about the least, right? So you learn that if you talk to them about something else, like often if you talk to a musician about other music that they like, boom, the door's open. Well, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a comedian. Yeah. It's like, like I'd hear them upstairs going, get them to make us laugh. Yeah. Like, and I'd go to them like, you don't want to make us laugh. Tell us a joke. It's like, man, whatever. Yeah. It just doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, and you know the biggest compliment I ever was, and I want to speak about Ben Alton, and there was mm. another guy that I idolised, and I can't remember his name, it was in quantum physics. Anyway, Ben Alton said to me after the show, he goes, you know what, that was the best interview I've done ever. Because, you know what, I, I sit there, when I'm interviewing someone, I think to myself, what are those, what are people at home want to know about them? Yeah, what so I, they yeah, so what, I go yeah. and I go, you know, so what, why? Mm. Why are, you, why are you doing what you're doing? And where was it? And what, when did it happen mm. in your life? Mm. Was it when you were five years old? Was it eight? And, 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 and how has it changed from that? You know what I mean? Mm. So it's interesting stuff that people well, I just... Remember, I remember meeting Ben Alton in the green room, and I'd been to the show the night before. Unbelievable show. Unbelievable. Amazing show. And I'd seen him once sort of ten years before that. So I obviously went in with a fairly high and reasonable expectation it was going to be decent. Um, but it was up, it was virtuoso stand-up comedy, and uh, and it was his return to the stage after I think since that first tour I'd seen uh, first time I'd seen him, but I found myself sort of thinking, and I never wanted to bug anyone in the green room, you know, I just sit back and they're who they are. But every now and then you'd see someone that meant something to you, you want to go over and say something to them. I can't remember how it happened, but I ended up I think someone introduced me to him, and I said oh, I loved the show last night. And he said, oh, were you happy with it? <laughs> Which is a great thing to say. I said, really happy with it. We had to get our seats moved because at the start we couldn't hear you. And he took so much interest in that. He's like, oh, that's disgusting. Someone sold you tickets where, because they, they sold out the, you know, orchestra seats, the choir seats behind right. the stage. Right. And you, you couldn't hear anything. You could just hear punchlines and then laughter. And so for the first 10 minutes we were missing out. Wow. And then we got moved, and it was like, why didn't they just put us here to begin with? But he took it, he was like, oh, I'll be having words with them about that. Even though, it's, you know, it's like, I recognised, you know, it's not a surprise, but he recognised just how seriously he took his business. Oh, you, uh, the night I saw him, and I didn't, I, I kind of knew a little bit about him, but not that much. But mm. yeah, here's a guy on the, on the stage with a mic mm. and a chair and mm. a glass of water. For a couple of hours. For a couple of hours. Plus, and and yeah. funny. Yeah. 
you know, smart. Well, and and the other thing was his show, Deepak Chopra. You know, I used yeah. to read his books, and mate, yeah. I freaking idolise him. I love it. Yeah. I get to interview him. Yeah, I'm like, wow. wow. And then he rings me because I did a live cross with him in mm. Auckland. He rings me from Auckland. He rings the office and go, I want to talk to Brendan. And he said exactly the same thing. He said, you know what? That was a great interview. Mm. You know, and I, which I was just like buzzing because I was like, man, I read this oh, guy's books. And I'm like, man, I just felt, I was like, wow, man. I like, I love what you write and stuff like, and then some of the stuff and your beliefs and what you do, you know, and I've read your yeah. books. But man, you know, to have oh, that from you. <laughs> I'm glad you're telling those sorts of stories because you can't, you can't just tuck that away. Oh no. I had, the first time I reviewed Lenny Henry, he rang the newspaper looking for me because he thought I was a staffer and um, and left a detailed message passing on that it was one of the best reviews of his show he'd ever read. And, you know, when I when that came back to me, it's like, fuck, that's amazing. Unfortunately, I saw him two years on and he was shit and I had to say so, which I did. So he probably didn't ring the paper that day. But, you know, that's a special thing that happened for me. Like, because everyone goes, nobody reads the reviews. And you go, actually, fucking everyone does. So, you know, they don't have to interact. So he chose to do that. Well, I interviewed him and Dawn, friend, yeah. separately. Yeah, yeah. So they did, they'd come over and I remember doing Boys to Men. Mm. You know, Matt, oh, I was a huge Boys to Men fan. <laughs> Next minute they're in the green room. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm just getting makeup. I'm going like, yeah. have it a gun. And I walked in and I walked in like a kid going, oh, my gosh, it's such a pleasure to have you guys here. This is before we went inside. Mm. They were such nice guys. Mm. And mm. it was so nice. Even the interview, man, they were such good people. You know, but yeah, it was yeah. Donny Osmond, you yeah. know, Delta Goodrum, you know, apart from being hot, um, <laughs> you know, um, it was, uh, he was so, there was such diversity, which I loved about yeah, it. Yeah. So, you know. Now, you were mostly talking about highlights, though. Yeah. So, what are some of the failures or low, I mean, you indicated a couple, like, you know, maybe burning yourself and burning such myself. shit or whatever. You um, farted on TV famously. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, and what else did I do? Oh, you got hypnotised, which must have been an experience. Hypnotism, yeah. So it was really, I'll share a story around that. And a mate of mine must have seen it. It was a clip up on YouTube or mm. something on Facebook had posted up and he kind of caught the tail end of it and didn't really didn't realise I was hypnotised. Mm. Mm. And all of a sudden I'm hitting on to Laurent, the French chef. <laughs> and he rings me, he goes, what's going on, mate? I go, what do you mean? He goes, you haven't told me. You say you're gay. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> He said, oh, I saw you on TV hitting on to that um, French chef. I'm like, oh, mate, I was hypnotised. He goes, yeah, yeah, sure yeah, you were hypnotised. <laughs> Rear your head and underneath all that, you do want to be with a man. <laughs> um, your lowlights, you know. Um, I mean, there's a grind attached to any job, so there must have oh, been days when you're like, oh, mate. fuck, this is it. And, and I, you know, if a oh, segment shit, goes yeah. pear-shaped, that, that must... Impact the rest of the show. Oh, big time. And, and you know, like sometimes you've fucked up someone's name. Mm. You know, like I have a group of people and I call someone who's very well known another name and it's like, oh my God. Mm. You know, and they look at you like you. You dummy. Know, so you but these are the stresses involved with live, which as you say can be very exciting, but people who haven't done it don't know that it's... Or interviewing um, um, somebody. Like I remember one time, it was quite stressful, but I had to just deal with it. Sarah spilled her coffee all over herself uh, 30 seconds before she's about yeah, to interview the, right. the, this guy actor, and I hadn't, I hadn't... So you have to step in. So I was literally given... The sheet. The sheet with the notes on it, and I introduced... And I looked at him, I said, yeah, help me out here. Mm. He was great. I can't yeah. remember who it was. Oh, um... Yeah, so those... Yeah, that, yeah. Oh, yeah, there are. Or where the autocue goes down. Mm. 
Not and which as you got better as the years went on, mate, yeah. it didn't matter the odyssey. Yeah. You just roll with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. You didn't you didn't need the odyssey. I remember one time where the power went out and we couldn't get the generators up. It was pissing down outside with rain. We had to relocate outside in the rain. Literally three, two, one, up with the umbrellas. Hey, welcome to Good Morning. You're probably wondering why we're outside. <laughs> wow. And you, 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 when you explain to people what happened, mm. they love that. They're like, mm. oh, my, okay, mm. this is cool. We're outside doing stuff. I was going to say, I mean, my memory of the show, because I would stick around and watch bits, and sometimes a couple of times I got involved in a couple of other segments or whatever uh, over the years, uh, I saw a lot of full shows happen. It, it, it really is the classic show where anything that could happen did happen. Your in terms of the content and the delivery of it. And, like. and, and people always see an end product. It's really interesting until you know, I bring friends out and then they have even more of an appreciation of how it works because mm. they see how it works. Mm. And, you, you know, for me, it was that constant grind of having to be up for the mm. whole time was, was, was hard, man. Three you know? long hours. Three of hours of live TV. And, and yeah. people that... That's, TV. Six, that's an that eight-hour day in terms of intensity. Yeah, because usually. then you'd finish one show and then you'd be mm. going over the next day's show. Mm. So it was just a constant grind. And, you know, the other thing for me, and, and probably more so, I mean, I, I had a little bit with basketball, was the public, mate. Mm-hmm. People, you knew you couldn't go anywhere, you know, and mm. you just get, you know, like if I want to go on a Friday or Saturday night. So you'd, I'd probably have a couple more beers than I normally have before I, you know, or when I get out just to mm. kind of numb myself to that kind of stuff so mm. there's those kind of things that used to happen as well which kind of you know you, you get sick of you just, you just don't want to be you'd rather just go and sit in the corner and talk to yeah. someone that doesn't know you yeah 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 because everyone claims they know you yes or they or they go I know you or you know and you just mm. kind of just sit there and shit have I interviewed you yeah uh, you're a cousin yeah uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah totally which it still happens so that yeah. that's a that's a stress to, to deal oh, with I'll never forget the the very end of the very first year that I was on Good Morning, a woman came up to me at the bottom of Lambton Key and said, can I ask you a question? And I thought she was going to ask me where you get a taxi from or whatever. It was just before Christmas. And I said, yeah. And she started looking really nervous. And she said, um, and by this point, my wife and a friend of ours had arrived and they were just cracking up because this woman was like, um, I want to I wanna get a CD for my husband. And she was a yeah. person who watched Good Morning That's and she recognised And, you know, I just, in my world, I was a guy who worked in a shop and um, went out every now and then and did these reviews. So I didn't interact with anyone who watched the show. So I didn't think I was anyone, and why would I? And then I went home to Hawke's Bay for the Christmas break, and a couple of people stopped me in shops and were like, I recognise you from TV. And that was incredibly strange, because it's like I'm a bit part player. Yeah. So I can only imagine what it's like oh. for someone who's the host every day. Especially in the Mount Mongolia. Yeah, I remember walking yeah. into a pub and a guy might go, oh, you're the guy that farted on TV. <laughs> My bro didn't fart on TV. Newsboys set me up big time. <laughs> and so, you, you know, or, or you'll have a guy, a farmer come come to mm. me and he goes, oh, mate, you know, I, I love watching Good Morning. You know, I'm, I, I milk my cows in the morning, but I've changed my milking hours just so I can <laughs> yeah. watch Good Morning. I'm like, really? Amazing, amazing. You know, so you appealed to so yeah. many people. But I think the other thing was is that, um, you, you know, I have thick skin anyway. Yeah. You're not going to. Everyone's not going to be happy with you. You're going to have people that complain, but I think the majority liked what who we were because 
especially for me, I was cheeky. I kind of pushed boundaries. So everyone knows somebody in their family that's yeah, similar yeah. to that, so they kind of can relate to it. Yeah. And that's how I tried to connect with an audience was, and that's just me being authentic, yeah. is I was cheeky, I'd play, yeah. or I'd do something, and I'd take it somewhere where everyone knew it was going, and I'd pull it back, you know yeah, what I mean? So you'd, yeah. take, you'd pull them in, and you'd pull them out again, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So they became, so when I talked to you, you were, I, I was like going, what do you guys think? Yeah. And I, you know, like, and they'd be going, oh, I don't know. Or, or you'd say a joke to, mm. to somebody, and, and, and it'd go over the head, and you go, or you yeah. go, yeah. You know, down the barrel, you go, what's yeah, yeah, that? Yeah. That's the, those little things, because people feel, because you, you're, you're involving them. You're pulling them in. That's you're, right. You're actually breaking, you Which know, I got better at. And, yeah. I got better at, you know, yeah. that, so that's a skill set that you learn. Yeah, totally. You know? Well, that's a level of comfort that yep. you're having on in that chair and with that autocue and with that audience and well, with that product. Well, you know. You and, know, with the whole brand. Well, the, the most important thing for me, and I think any, when anyone does anything, understand your structure once you understand the structure and the yep. piece of how it works, yep. then you can plan it. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, don't go and plan it if you don't know it. So you, um, shortly into your time on Good Morning, we mentioned you go back and play basketball after not doing it for, obviously, when the show first gets <laughs> going. So that's a fucking uh, handful. And I, I can remember one day you walking in and just, it might have been like after the finals or something, but I remember you... Basically, just go. I'll see how I make it through this one. Like you were just shattered. Yeah. You know. It was there was that, and then there was and then know, dance, dance with the stars, stars, which was like which must have been crazy. Even, yeah. Dance with the stars was crazy. Now, were you on the first season of Dance? No, the no. Second I or was, third? It was I pretty was early on. Second or eh? third, yeah. yeah was, and you got right down to the second to last. Yeah, got knocked out. Just the friggin' um, Suzanne Paul had a <laughs> malfunction, which everybody felt sorry for, and she got all the votes. Your partner was Hayley Holt. Was, yeah. yes. Um, so Hayley, well, the reason, when they asked me, I said, the only reason I'll do it is if I can dance with her. Because mm. I thought, if I dance with her, one, she's good looking, two, She's a great dancer. Three, everyone will look at her and not look at my feet. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were hoping she'd get you the votes. Yeah, 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 that's you right. Could, you could smile. I could, yeah, I could smile, yeah. <laughs> Apart from the judges seeing the way your feet were pointing and stuff. Mm. It was um, it was crazy time. So I'd do good morning, mm. uh, finish good morning, go through the next day's show, pretty much go straight to the dance studio, dance till midnight probably, till mm. 12 o'clock at night. It was full on. Then be up at whatever. And then in the be up at to, six in the morning, yeah, and then for, get ready. You know, in that time, I'd be ready. You know, have to read my notes as yeah, well for the next yeah. day. It's like, mate, it was just a crazy journey and scary. Mm. You know, and people will tell you, Haley will tell you. <laughs> you know, we'd do the rehearsal on a Monday before the Monday night show, and you know, everyone would come in and they'd be all in the rehearsal. I just nail it, man. I'd forget the dance mm. every single time. Every time. Mm. And she'd be stressing, and I would, oh, man, I'd be just like, I said, don't worry, it'll be right when the lights comes on. Sure enough, every night, lights come on, nailed it. And everyone thought I was, oh, I was like, playing a game, like, you know, he doesn't, mm. you know, like, mm. they thought I was, you know, just psychologically, <laughs> and I yeah, thought yeah. I wasn't. Because yeah. there'd be times where we're doing two dances, and I remember walking in for the second dance, we had ballroom, and I looked at Hay and I go, what's the first step? And she'd look at me and go, you're kidding me. I go, no, I'm not. What mm. is it? Because your mind would just go blank. But all of a sudden, as soon as they go, well, Brendan and Hayley come to the dance floor, bang, lights came on. Mm. I was there. Mm. It was scary, though, man. It was it was one of the scariest things I've ever done. But if you ask me to do it again, I'd do it. You'd do it. Now, you, you were a, a trained, you know, physically fit athlete. 
Now, everyone that's been involved with, with Dancing with the Stars talks about how gruelling it is, but I imagine you had a level of physicality and fitness that goes beyond some of the people, quite a few of the people that are on the show outside of the dancers. How tough was that? Really tough. Just different, you know, mm. um, just moving. Discovering new muscles. Yeah, new, discovering yeah, yeah. new muscles, um, connecting with, um, you know, what, what you're doing and, mm. and actually... Um, understanding the dance, understanding the movement of the dance, how you point your feet, mm. uh, and, and just being on your feet for that long, mate, just the weight just fell off me. Mm. Everybody mm. you see, they just strip right down. Mm. It's just, and it's it quite physical. everyone who's on the show. Well, yeah. I, have, I have a real appreciation for dance because I've kind of done it to a little bit of an extent, but mm. when you see the good people dance, you just have so much more appreciation. Yeah. It's going back to that thing about athletes and other yeah. sports in that, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't knock it till you tried it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 and realise how tough it is. And so, for me, I, I, you know, as I got close to the end, I got, was disappointed I didn't even mm. get to the final. Mm. I got to be on every show, but I never got to the final. You're a competitive person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? When I got there, yeah, but at the same time, I'm a realist as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. realised at the time, you know, I mean, if I get, you know, but if I work it, I think, I'm, you know, and then I had a chance. I thought, you know, I've got a mm. chance here. Mm. So I was pretty gutted. But and this opens up a lot of publicity avenues huge. for Huge. That's part of that, part which, of being on that brand anyway, but... Which kind of opened up the opportunity of where I am now. Right, yeah. Um, which, is, which is interesting. So with each of the... Um, uh, when, you, when you do Dance for the Stars, you've got to pick a charity. Yes, so um, I was approached by Cure Kids, the charity yeah. Cure Kids, and they fund um, research into life-threatening illnesses with children. Yeah. And um, so I got a connection piece with them. And um, amazing organisation. I think I raised that year a hundred and something thousand dollars for them, for mm. Cure Kids, which was amazing. Got to, you know, get alongside the kids and, and see what they're actually doing. And a huge value of mine's giving back. Mm. And so it sat well with me. Um, and that was kind of the first opening of... Mm. Um, me being involved with Cure Kids, and um, we can move on to it a little bit yeah, later, but I yeah. actually, now I, I work for Cure Kids, mm. so it's the job I've had for the last five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, what happens um, with Good Morning when it wraps up? Like, what's your, remem- what's your experience and your memory of... Sad. Being told, sad. Yeah, being told we're moving to Auckland, you don't have a job. Re- really sad. And how blunt were they? Was it as blunt as pretty oh, much as much I so. just yeah, delivered? Yeah, it was yeah. very, very, yeah, it was kind of like, this is what's happening, we're going to change the show, <laughs> which I didn't get. I thought maybe they'd keep one of us just mm. for a bit of consistency. Yeah. Um, but no, they wanted to change it, uh, and I think that's just the TVNZ way, you know. Um, I'm not any close to TVNZ, so it won't matter mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's just a TVNZ way, you know. I think they thought that they could take it to Auckland and make it bigger and better and brighter. But I think there was something unique about being in Avalon, you know. One, you know, they had a, a fantastic the the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, fantastic crew, fantastic fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say that before, the crew was oh, amazing. Amazing. Everyone I dealt with. Everybody, the directors, the producers, everybody, yeah. mate. I, I love those guys, yeah. man. They were so good. Cause yeah. they, I mean, they, they're like family to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I was with, with them for so long. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you talk about musicians and music, which you know and understand, if you talk to a lot of different musicians that have gone on that show, they love it mm. because the sound system, the sound people made them mm. sound even better than what they actually were. That were good. Oh, I can speak. You know to, I, mean? I can speak to that. I played live on Good Morning with with the ba- Irish band I was in. Yeah, and um, and I think that's the best we've ever sounded. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so it um, and and I think it now, also speaks to how desperate Good Morning was sometimes to get a musical guest. But we sounded. 
pretty good. Yeah, but no, no, I don't think that. I think they gave everyone an opportunity. I think the, the great thing about Good Morning is, is, is we let everybody had mm. an opportunity because it was about all New Zealanders, mm, mm. not about the unique. Yes, we had unique New Zealanders that came on the show, but it was more about everybody. Mm. I think that was the selling point for us as a show. So why shouldn't Simon and his little quartet or whatever mm. <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, show? Yeah. You know, um, and you talk to some of the like the Tikitanes and that, and they miss Good Morning mm. because if you've got a new album coming oh, out, yeah, great it's place great to come and land. Land, yeah. hey, listen, we've got the album coming out. Just thought you'd let you know. You get to play a sample That's of it right. live and also discuss That's it right. and also give people a little bit of your personality outside because you guys would draw that out of them. No, that was an incredible platform for people when you get people that are so fully established like, I'm thinking, well, Tiki, but also like someone like Dave Dobbin. Yep. They would still do the show because they still recognised this meant some sales and, and beyond that, some ticket sales to shows and just some... just. A little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Promoter's dream. Yeah. Really. It was another yeah. opportunity to be able to, you know, jump on, that, on yeah. that wagon to be able to try and do that. So yeah. I'd interviewed so many different people, eh? There's mm. probably not too many people I haven't interviewed in New Zealand. No, no, it's true. Um, when I think about it. Yeah, oh, and look, when, when it did move to Auckland, and because Jeanette had um, done it for a little time in Wellington yes. ahead of you guys, she'd yeah. been a f- I think they'd wanted to get her and she didn't want to move to Wellington, and then they'd got someone else. And then at the end of that year when they left, they... They went to the two host thing, but so I had done a couple of segments with her, and you know, obviously she's a fantastic broadcaster. Yeah. But she ended up doing it in Auckland, and my book came out, and my publicist said, you know, we'll fly you up, we'll get you on Good Morning, and it was great to go back on the show and be and be on it as an interviewed guest. But it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, because it's a great, you know, it was a great. Well, it was a great platform. platform. But yeah. yeah, you're not just for musical artists, mm. for, for, mm. For, for anything, you know. Mm. You were lucky enough. We were involved. I remember some of the special shows that we did. We did um, to Howard Morrison. It was his last show before he died a few weeks later, which was mm. amazing. Yes, yeah. Uh, and he, that was his favourite show. Mm. Uh, and then you, you talk about the Samoa, with the tragedy in Samoa, which happened over the weekend, the Monday. We made it almost like a telethon Samoa show. We worked over the weekend to, to be able to raise 300 and something thousand dollars, you know, through that time. So... Mm. Um, you know, there were some special times. There must have been some really emotional moments oh. speaking to, I mean, talking to children that are, which you, you can go on to speak about, but talking to children that are suffering from a, yeah. an El, you know, a life um, confined, you know. Yeah, life-threatening illness. Or threatening yeah. illness, you it's, know, life-shortening. Well, this Or survivors of, you of, know. Yeah, and then you, you, get, you get your likes of your, um, who was the lady that was raped by the police guys? Um Louise Nichols. Louise Nichols and that coming in. And, you get mm. all these, and then you get these other people mm. that are coming in talking about violence, Rob, as, you know. Was Rob Hewitt on the show? Did that happen Rob to Hewitt that came on the show. You know, I knew Rob after yeah. being in the water, you know, like, he, you know, with what happened with his diving accident. You know, I was, I was in the beach for the first time in a while at Waiheke Island the other day, and I, I had this, I put my feet up, and I floated and I drifted and I started this sounds so stupid but after a few seconds I started thinking about Rob Hewitt's story it just it was just like how the fuck did anyone do that for you know here I am just enjoying the the privilege of just basking in the water for a few minutes and and how quickly that became an ordeal for someone and how that's you know I've listened to a few interviews with him even more recent ones I mean that's just defined his life oh and, and, and unless you're put in that situation... Yeah, you couldn't know you, it you, all. You wouldn't know it at all, you know. No, I think you'd it, know better off than me and Waiheke imagining it. <laughs> well, and, and, and I think that's the same to be said about people that are sick, you know. Mm. We look at it nowadays, there's a lot of people that are either, you know, how many people, how many people we don't know that have got cancer or, mm. or, or some type of illness that they're having to deal with as a family and that, and you see the amount of... Um, 
you know, give a little pages that are set up because people don't have insurance. But, you mm. know, it's like, man, it's sad, eh? It's mm. really, really sad, you know? Um, but it, it it takes a certain type of people and family to be able to wrap around that and try and, you know, um, make that as best as possible. Mm. Mm. So what happens in the immediate aftermath of Good Morning? You, you basically get told, there's no job, we're moving it. You contest that in any way or you say that's nah. a shame and move on? It, moved yeah. on. Um, Actually, was talking to Tariana Turia before uh, that happened because I knew it was happening, and, and and tried to see whether it's position to to work with. Or she'd approach me, or their team would approach me to work mm. with her in the Farno Water Space, mm. um, which was interesting. And I ended up being a um, what was a champion for Farno Water, so I was kind of her eyes and ears on the ground, travelling around New Zealand. So I contracted to her, but was actually directly accountable to her because mm. I'd interviewed on the show a few times mm. and she was thinking how can I use this guy you know like I'd love to use him in some way and mm. so my role was basically dealing with government agencies uh, providers around uh, working with at-risk communities what, what, what that process looked like um, why people used a certain model what was the best way of doing things you know like it was, it was interesting government was an interesting space eh? mm. I, I found it quite What's the word? Um, very institutionalised, mm. um, very set in their ways. I mean, a lot of the time, bureaucratic, a lot of red tape, mm. common sense not very common, <laughs> um, which I struggle with a little bit, but mm. I, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to once again stick to who I am and actually just, you know, and I was quite... I was quite outspoken, which Tarana loved. Yeah, yeah. Because I was just like, well, I'm accountable for her to, to deliver a message for her, and yeah. she's, you know, and I'm representing her, and I'm representing myself, so, you know, this is the way I feel. Yeah. So it was interesting, eh? so I did that for two years. Yeah. So I just contract in and, and went around the country, spoke on Marae, spoke at different, you know, for me too, being Māori, I didn't really spend much time on Marae. Yeah. So here's a whole new experience for me. Yeah. But I loved that I embraced it, um, you know, respected the... Um, protocols and that they sit around with it, but you needed to learn the protocols as well, you yes. know. And speaking on Marae is a, you know, is a privilege. Mm. Um, and we was, you know, we were treated as, as guests, obviously on behalf of the minister. The red card was rolled out. Mm. Um, so I think if you can't, for me, I learned a lot from that as well. You know, being able to speak in front of a lot of these big Maori groups, um, because you know we talk about New Zealand politics, but you talk about Maori politics, they're mm. quite they're another level again. Mm. You know, so. Mm. Um, yeah, that was that was an interesting time. I kind of came to a point where I was like, mm, you know, it wasn't, it, it, you know, it just I felt a little bit trapped, you know, because I couldn't really get the traction I wanted to and yeah. the difference I wanted to make because I really wanted to make a difference, you know, and I, and I felt that I was just pushing shit uphill, the old saying goes. <laughs> and um, so I, the opportunity arose with um, my current role where I am now, which... Yeah comes back to the, the charity dance, space yeah, with yeah. Um, Dance with the Stars yeah. with, with Cure Kids and it was actually Brooke Howard Smith that had asked me he goes oh would you like to um, do this um, we're doing this Red Nose Day ride it's up it's against John on Ben it's mm. a cycle from Bluff to the top of the North Island and I mm. said John on Ben I said mate they can't cycle can they but it was, it was a, kind of it was a funny thing yeah. but I actually cycled it Yeah. they kind of between the three of them they, they just their antics yeah. you know, did the show and Sort of did that, it was like oh, 12 days or something. Um, and then after that, the opportunity came to, that they offered me a job at Kirkus as their business development manager. 
So my role specifically is dealing with philanthropy and new business. Mm. I go out and bring in the big money and Canvas connect and the cor- corporates connect, and stuff, yeah. and I love it, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm sitting in front of CEOs and that every day. And you know that um, you've got a... People know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which but you know also, what? It opens doors, mate. Yes, of course it does. And, and so my role, I've got such a huge network across the business sector mm. That I can make a call mm. from a CEO level, AI level to an owner of a company level, and the door just opens like that. And you know how to talk to a range of people. That's it. That's mm. exactly right. Mm. And I know. Here's the other thing: is I believe in what we do. Yeah. So, so that's what I was going to say. So you know when you're having this meeting or whatever this network that it's authentic. It's, it's for a good. Yeah. Cliche, it's for a good cause. Yeah. It's, and it's, you know directly what it's going to impact. Yeah, and, and, and the question I ask is, what are you doing to make a difference in someone else's mm. life? And it may not be Cure Kids. So mm. I'll, I'll sit down with people, and it's not just about Cure Kids. It's like, mm. well, so tell me a little bit about your organisation and what you do and why you do it. Um, but then, you know, you'll have some that go, oh, yeah, we'll give you some money. I said, why they? Mm. Why are you giving us money? I'm not, I'm not just going to take money from you. I want to understand why, because everyone knows what, how, when, but, you know, you need to tell me why. Is, is it because you want to get rid of me? Because I, I'm all about long-term relationships here, mm. and I know what we have and what we do is pretty amazing, and I think that'll add huge value, value to what you guys do as a business. And corporate responsibility is... Huge. Huge and important, but also what you're saying that is strong for me is it's important to shift the story of corporate responsibility towards having an actual story. That's right. Not just being, oh, this is a tax write-off. That's this right. makes us look good. That's exactly this right. Is, there's, a, there's a connection because yeah. I always believe if you connect with something, then the journey becomes a long-term journey. Mm. It doesn't become a, like, fly-by in the night. Yeah, we did that one year yeah. to get it's that all, It's about. all about long-term yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. relationships for me. So mm. it's actually, uh, one, understanding what their business... Because you know what? Most corporates want to do something. Most of them want to do something, but because they're so time poor, they don't know what. So my role is I walk in, I understand your business. I've kind of found a little bit more before I go mm-hmm. in anyway. You start telling me, and then I see the opportunities, which won't take a lot of time, but it will engage your staff, mm. which will add value back to you guys as an organisation because they'll feel like they're giving back something. And don't underestimate the relationship when you have a relationship with a charity because all of a sudden your external people that you're uh, that uh, do business with you will go, you know what? Mate, it's so good that they're doing something good um, externally and actually giving back. Mm, mm. People underestimate it. Mm. And then all of a sudden one of their um, businesses that they deal with, they go, oh, mate, that's great you're doing that. You know, so it actually adds value to the to what they're doing. Yeah, it's not yeah. just about taking money and, and creating a transaction. Actually, you know what? They're giving back as well. They do care about. Mm. They care about other things. Mm. So there's a real... When you help people to realise that, man, honestly... Yes. The, what, you, you take them on that journey and they go, wow, I didn't realise that and I didn't look at it like that. Because mm. I didn't go in there looking for your check. Yeah. I wanted to understand who you were yeah, as yeah. a business, yeah. why you do what you do, and here's an opportunity where you can do something. Mm. So you, you, you grow it organically. If you grow it organically and you see it, and it becomes then it becomes easy. Then You know, like a lot of the relationships I have within um, the business world, they're friends, mate. Mm. We, we, yes we do business together but we're actually friends as well mm, mm. so it's, it becomes more than it's that whole thing if you go back to good morning mm. you know a lot of the people I interviewed 
the majority of them are now friends. They're friends of mine. Mm. You know, the chefs, they're friends. Mm. That's that's what life's about, you know. Mm. You get to know one another, you they're grow for, it, and then, you know, well, look at us. They've forgiven you for... Oh, look at us. Yeah, we yeah, haven't yeah. seen you for how many years? Well, I bumped into you a couple of yeah, years ago, right. but that's right. It was it had been quite some time But it was I, like exactly. it was exactly like we've mm. just walked into Good Morning. It's like, mm. hey... I just wasn't holding up a CD. That no, that's right. Yeah, 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 and I didn't have an ugly paisley colour <laughs> shirt on. <laughs> Um, so it sounds like you've found the perfect role yet again. Yeah. Um, and you seem to have done that really, I guess, since you were 16, like, uh, looking back, which which makes it seem like a very charmed life, but not without its um, oh, no difficulties way. and its, and its, and its um, grit. And you've, you're a family man as well. Yeah, so Dad, I've got a little boy, four years old, mm. um, and um, Amani starts school this year. Mm. Uh, mate, fatherhood is... I think it's softened me mm. a little bit. <laughs> mm. um, but being a dad, as, as you know, is, is a special is a special thing. Mm. Um, it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 helped me grow. But um, I, you know, I, I had and still have a father that's around in my life. Uh, what what thoughts go on in your head around it? Like maybe when maybe when you were when you know when your wife was pregnant or whatever. Like and in the very early days, what. You know, are you going? I need to send mental reminders that this is this is big for me, and I need to yeah, well, be what wasn't there for me. Yeah, well, I didn't exactly. So, mm. um, and I guess the father figure, because you know, my dad was pretty violent with my mum when I was younger, and was an alcoholic as well. I found out, mm. uh, and he, well, I, I didn't find that until later. So he wasn't probably the best role model, mm. um, and so I'm everything that he. I'm everything he wasn't, mm. you know, like mm. I'm the total opposite. So, but I was ready for it. Mm. I was a bit older, you know, kind of done a few things, so, but I was ready for it and, and I'm ready to embrace mm. the whole situation of uh, being a dad. So once again, it's I'm not being arrogant, mm. but I knew I was made to be a dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, what yeah. is it? Yeah, back, grab with both hands and just run with it. Mm. There's no like, okay, I've got to be this way. It's like, nah, I know what I need to do. Well, I think I know what I need to do because you never know what you need to do as a dad. Mm. You know, as it, you know, you, you learn along the way, especially when they're young. It's like, do they do the crime? Mm, <laughs> what do we do? Uh, mm. Pick them up. Uh, so, and do you want to see as sport already big in his life, or is know, it something you, you no. think may or may not happen? Are you concerned um, about that? No, and mm. it's really interesting because, you know, being an ex-sports person. Mm. Um, people go, he's playing basketball. I said, well, I don't know. Yeah. He'll do what he wants to do. Yeah. I'll provide a, you know, I'll provide mm. the um, platform for him. Mm. But I think he'll be into music. He's mm. kind of he loves his music and stuff like that. So um, he may do sport. I don't know, but I'm not forcing that upon him. Because mm. I know the journey and how hard that journey is. Yeah. And, you know, the, it's not only that. If he does go and play basketball, then there's always going to be the, oh, you know, your dad. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And it happens with, like, like ex-All Blacks, yes. like your dad was. And, and it pushes kids away. Yeah. I want, he, the thing is with Amani, he's his own person, mate, mm. honestly, independent, fiercely, um, yeah, fiercely independent and stubborn, mm. you know, just like his mum. <laughs> no, no, only joking. Probably a lot like me. Actually, you know what? He's nothing like me. Everyone goes, oh, he's so much like you. I said, you know what? He will take it to another level mm. again, you know? Mm. Isn't it? It's, it's, it's a great thing to be proud of, isn't it? Oh. Child, it's, it's like you get to do all of the boasting and bragging you might, if you're really honest, want to do about your parts of your own life, but you feel... 
because you're projecting it onto someone else and it's in support of someone else, you feel so good about doing it. Oh, you know, at the end of the day, as a parent, what, 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 I mean, why are we here? You yeah, know, yeah, what, yeah. what is our reason yeah. here to be able to provide a platform for our children and, mm. and, and try and, you know, help out in some way to, to well, not mould their life, but give them the opportunity for them to be, able to, yeah, yeah, to be able to mould their own yeah. life and actually get, walk their own path. Yeah. Because we can't walk their path. Yeah. We can, you know, it's, and you probably have it the same with your son, eh? With yeah. your son. Yeah. You know, but we can tell them things and then they go, they won't, they'll ignore you. Mm. But the teacher will tell them exactly the same thing and they'll listen yeah, to yeah. it. Or whoever, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They're yeah, coming from a different right. mouthpiece. Yeah. So it's just about yeah. how we do that. And I think if we bring them up as good, good values, um, treat people the way that, you know, you want to be treated, I think they mm. are the important things mm. um, for them, you know, and they, and they go and do what they're passionate about, what they're happy about, you know, and we support them along the way. I think that's mm. the most important thing as, as a parent is, is love, you know, that love around making sure they feel loved and know that, you know, you're there for them. You've got their back. You support them in all their decisions, mm. good or bad. You know, I think it's important that you, you know, so you learn those things. And, you know, my boy's only just about to go to school, so um, I've still got, you know, got to go through the teenage years and that, but I'm happy with the way he's tracking along, you know. Mm, mm. Whatever that tracking along looks yeah, like. Yeah, From yeah. a societal perspective, is it tracking around all right? Well, <laughs> but in my eyes, he looks like he's tracking okay, you know, yeah. you can count, you know, unlike his dad. <laughs> I reckon, I mean, my, you know, my kid's seven, I reckon until they're five, like if you kept them alive, you've done a spectacular job. After that, you can start to, obviously you're doing other things along the way, but that's the big backpack. Yeah, it is. And keep it's them, um, Keep them alive and hopefully happy. And, and hopefully some manners and some respect are slipping in there or, or the, the blueprint for that. And after that, you can start to ask some actual questions about and make some plans about what you want to help guide. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and, um, and you, but you do learn a lot from listening to them, you know. Like, well, yeah, you learn a lot about yourself. You that's know, what patience. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and I'm, I can be impatient. Eh? He's, he, he teaches patience. I'll use his classic example the other day. He came up to me and he goes, Dad, I need something. I said, son, I'm busy. F- five minutes, okay? I'll, I'll mm. Five minutes. Anyway, that afternoon I, I went over to him and said, man, I need you to do something. He looked at me and goes, hey, Dad, ten minutes. <laughs> Not only did he tell yeah, me, yeah. he threw five minutes on, yeah, front, on top brilliant. of it. Yeah. I was like, Got four you with years interest. old. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I just looked and I went, hey, okay. Yeah. I got it. Check. Yeah, yeah. No, this... Um these kids are going to rule the world. Unfortunately, we've kind of fucked it for them. Yeah, <laughs> on I know. a broader scale, but yeah. like at least they're going to probably, if anyone's going to solve it, it's going to be that generation. I think. Well, they're a special generation, yeah. I think, that's yeah. coming through. You know, they're yeah. a un- unique generation, and everyone talks about the millennials mm. and that kind of stuff. But you know what? We're going to learn to work with them. We're going to mm. learn the way that they do things, you know. Just as they've, I still think there's the opportunity for them to be able to learn some of the things that we have as well, well you know. Well, it's that thing you're um, talking, you've been talking about that's been a thread through all this, like, Listen to people. Listen to people and be aware of where the opportunity might be. And there's always a big opportunity when you listen to people. That's there? right. It's an opportunity for learning. That's right. Um, we've had a big old chat. Is there anything that I've missed that you want to bring up? Um, I feel like we've... Uh, we've, we've covered a lot of it. ground. Yeah, 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 we have covered a lot of ground. I did not, I it's been great. It's been a great way to reconnect with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, as I say, we've been in touch. And I've bumped into you a couple of times and I've been up in Auckland. But um, it was, you know, you told me a lot of stuff today that I didn't know at all. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Well, you know, it's um, 
it's good to be able to share those stuff. It, it was quite nice actually reflecting mm. on that because you don't, you know, sometimes you don't get the opportunity to reflect on it and actually mm. it actually took me back on the journey, you know what I mean? So oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to sort of reflect on that and just think about, oh, yeah. It, it kind of makes you feel grateful, you know, for what, mm. what, you've, what you've had so far in your life and I still feel young enough to, you know, um, it's still, a, you know, Touch wood, big, there's a bigger big you know, milestone birthday yeah, coming up. Yeah, this got year. the fiftieth this year. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, for me, it's it's good to reflect, though. You know, mm. on the good and the bad things. Um, mm. I think because you've learned a lot along the way, and um, so thank you. No, oh, I'd never thought I'd see the day when you would get up out of here. So long time friends, we remain the same until you return one day. I will say I never fade away on you I never fade away on you, my friend